This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and I just wanted to say a big thank you, thank you, thank you to all of the nurses out there. Sorry, (laughs) my voice is cracking a little bit because I remember uh, working in the emergency room and ICUs before I um, decided to stay home and have uh, our kids, and um, I remember what you're going through, uh, and I probably only have a, a pinch of the insanity right now, but... Um, I appreciate it. Thank you for everything you're doing, and um, stay safe. So, and to keep you um, a bit distracted and a little bit of escapism when you're not working out there, nurses, um, please know that I have a fabulous book to uh, distract you from all the everyday craziness. And I am so glad today that the author is here to talk to us about it. So Regina Kyle knew she was determined to be an author when she won a writing contest at the age of 10 with a touching tale about a squirrel and a nut pie. By day, she writes dry legal briefs, but at night, she writes steamy romance with a heart and humor. Um, Made that sound very scandalous. Um, A lover of all things, Regina lives on the Connecticut coast with her husband, teenage daughter, and two melodramatic cats. And when she's not writing, she's almost likely singing, reading, cooking, or watching really bad reality TV. Her latest work, Dirty Work, is out now, and you can find Regina on her website, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, and BookBub, and also... You did a an interview yesterday on YouTube. So welcome to the show, Miss Regina Kyle. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> You've been busy this week. Yeah, it's been a busy week, although we did the uh, interview, we, the YouTube interview we taped last week, and that was a ton of fun. Okay. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's been, you know, whenever a book comes out, it's always a little crazy, and this has definitely been a little crazier because... You know, marketing a marketing a book in the middle of a pandemic is um, definitely something I never did before or thought I would have to do. So you know, it's a little strange, but um, the great thing about dirty work is it's an ebook, so um, anyone can access it from anywhere. If you're an ebook reader, so at least it feels a right. little bit more comfortable marketing in a in a strange time. Yeah, and you know it's interesting because I remember when it, when I really started thinking about I wanted to write like like a book and uh, because I had written forever like you you know I had written something about the Loch Ness Monster in fourth grade you know you wrote about a squirrel and nut pie (laughs) I mean we all we write about things that are important in our lives you know and um, it's it's one of those things that you go okay so I'm going to write this book and that's going to be it and now it's so much more I mean it's it's okay you write the book and then now you have to market the book and and it's the publishers only do so much just because of the volume they're dealing with but also, you know, you think your book's the best book ever, so you have a lot more interest in it. What kinds of things, I mean, what are, I mean, other than the obvious, you know, interviewing for different things, but, I mean, has, has there ever been a time that you're like, um, you know, I really don't want to do any of this marketing. I just want to write my book. I, I think all of us feel that way a lot of the time. I mean, I'm doing this marketing, and I'm 
I'm I'm in crunch time trying to finish the next book, which comes out in November. Mm-hmm. That my editor literally has like three quarters of, so I need to get to the last, you know, five chapters of this book, um, which is Dirty Secrets, which is the the next book um, involving mm-hmm. some uh, some of the secondary characters and dirty work. So you're trying to do that at the same time you're trying to market. I mean, I think you know marketing is something that uh, that a lot of lot, lot of authors you know struggle with. It's not. You know, a lot of us are creatives. The business part of it isn't necessarily natural to us. So, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I'm trying to learn Facebook ads, and and then there's all these courses you can take, but you've only got so much money. So <laughs> you're trying to figure out right. where to get the best bang right. for your buck. And and um, a lot of it is just trial and error. The great thing about the romance community, though, is that for the most part, people are really willing to share. So, for example, I have a friend who took a, a class on on Facebook ads, and she's been helping me design mine and sharing what she learned with me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have another friend who I have a novella that I did for uh, the Read Me Romance podcast that I'm going to have uh, coming out soon in print and digital. She helped me format it for 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 print. Um, you know, so it's great that people are willing to share their knowledge and expertise because there is so much stuff like I never thought I would have to learn as an author, like web design and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how to set up your newsletter automations, uh, you know, uh, right. even crazy things right. like etching wine glasses and baking sea glass wine charms, which I did one year for an author reader event I went to where you had to do table gifts for your readers. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not Nora Roberts. I can't afford to buy everybody a coach purse like one author did one year so I, I had like a beach theme because I have this little romance writing mascot who's a little stuffed manatee my husband named him Romanatee um, and um, so I had Romanatee <laughs> in the center of this table with a little beach scene using my daughter's American girl bitty baby like umbrella and stuff and brown sugar as sand and I made beach themed um, you know, bag some of the stuff which I bought mm-hmm. off a, a wedding favor site inexpensively. But I also made, I learned how to etch wine glasses. And we live on the beach, so we have a lot of sea glass. Well, I learned how to wrap sea glass, made sea glass wine charms. <laughs> you know, things you thought yeah. you'd be doing because you're an author. But it was fun. Right. You know, and you know, and, sea glass and wine it's interesting. For gifts for people, so. Right. Well, people, it's inter- it's funny because readers get so invested, and it's one of those things that you're like, I love my story, and it's great, but you really don't, I guess we all forget what it's like to be the reader sometimes, because then when they sat down at that table when you had your event, and they saw it, it was like, oh, this is from this story, and this is from, you know, or this is, it, it's, Versus, okay, everybody here have a gift card of from Amazon. Yeah, um, which you know no one's going to well, turn that also, down. But yeah, no. <laughs> but what's <was> also nice <laughs> is that they were like, wait a minute, you made this? You took the time to yeah. make this? I mean, and they were that. Yeah. That for me was really you know because you, know, you go in and you're feeling insecure because you see some of these other tables and they're really. But they all my re- readers who were at my table were like, wow, you took the time to make this stuff. That's that's mm-hmm. you know they were very touched by that and that, and that was kind of nice. Yeah, but I know last year. So um, I love those kind of events. Oh, for sure. I mean, and it's interesting because it's it's the funny, the stereotypical writers are these introverts that don't want to talk to anybody, and and I'm finding that there's a lot of extroverts as writers, and I don't know if it's just because 
you know, we're in the romance writing industry versus, you know, sci-fi or, or mystery. I don't know if that's the same vibe. But um, what I find is a lot of people are really more than happy to talk to each other and, and help out and appreciate, like, you know, can't believe you made this and, and those kind of things. I'm finding that there's a lot of people who are extroverts right now. I was finding at conferences I'll, I'll adopt an introvert or two. You know, I've one very good writer friend who I was just actually uh, messaging uh, who is a, a who's much more introverted than I am. And mm-hmm. um, so we'll room together at conferences and, you know, I'll be her designated extrovert. So, you know, there's one conference yeah. we go to, one reader <laughs> conference we've gone to for the past few years that was sadly had to be canceled this year. But, um, and she right. said, I would have never gone to this if it wasn't for you. you know, I sort of dragged her in. <laughs> she loves it now. But, yeah. you know, um, you know, so sometimes, you know, I think, you know, we all have strengths, you know, and then she also helps me because she'll be like, come on, we need some downtime, you know. And that's good, too, because right. sometimes I could be go, 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 and I really do need to reset, but, like, I don't recognize it uh, because I have, like, major FOMO. You know, you're just, you're just so afraid of missing something out, and she'll help me, like, like get over the FOMO and say, no, come on, we need to reset so that we have enough energy for the next part of this conference or event. Right, to at. breathe. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't run on fumes the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me, you know, you write these lovely dry briefs uh, during the day, and then you write these, you know, fabulous romances at night. What what was the moment, I mean, the catalyst that you said, you know what, I want to write a romance novel? I always tell people there's, there's sort of two convergent things that happened in my life that made me start thinking about writing romance. I mean, like we discussed, I always liked to write. In fact, I just found um, I've been, you know, as a lot of us have been doing, cleaning my house during social distancing and, like, really going through mm-hmm. stuff. And I found a folder of stories I had written when I was in fifth grade. Um, I had a teacher who we would shout out every week um, story titles, and she would pick three and write them on the board. And then you had to write during that week and to turn it in on Friday a short story based on one of those titles. And Oh, that's um, tremendous. The, 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 yeah, it was kind of cool. And the, uh, so I found a folder of these stories, and the two that I had remembered most writing uh, were one was called My Pet Tribble, and it was um, – that was at the time Star Trek was super popular. Uh-huh. Yeah. My, we, we didn't have cable. We only had three television channels, and my parents were older. My dad was 49 years old when I was born, and I'm the oldest one in the family. My mom's 13 years younger than him. So my parents sort of like – my dad didn't know what the heck Star Trek was. <laughs> it wasn't, so I didn't know what a tribble was. So the story – I read. Mean, everybody else is writing this alien stuff. And I wrote a story about a girl from the Deep South who ran away with her pet dog who was named Tribble. And I wrote it in first person. So it was like using grammar like I ain't and I'm fixing to. And the teacher gave me a check minus for grammar. So I joked (gasps) and recognized my early brilliance. That's right. How could she not know that? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could find her now because oh, I loved her. She was one of my favorite teachers, but her name was Mrs. Trailer and she got married and her last name was Miller. So it's like too, way too common to like uh-huh. find her on the internet. I've tried. And the second story I remembered writing that, that was in there was I was obsessed with Watergate as a kid. I wanted to be president okay. of the United States. I thought I would, maybe this is why I'm a lawyer. Um, and um, I was obsessed with Watergate, but I really didn't understand what it was, you know, because I was 10. Um, sure. I wrote a story called All the President's Women, which was my title that I had yelled out, where I was the president and all my friends were like the cabinet members. 
Nice. That was pretty silly. Nice. Uh, but anyway, so I always like to write, and and um, that was a long way of saying that. But um, and when I was, uh, I had gotten a nook when I was um, like in my mid forties. So I finally broke down and got an e-reader. And again, I mentioned that we didn't have cable because my father was cheap. Well, you know, he passed those habits down to me. So I have this nook, and I'm trying to find um, some ways to get some freer discount books, you know, legally. Um, <laughs> No right, right. Um, and at the time, you know, Harlequin, I think they still do. They always have like one book from each of their category lines will be free because they want you to read the line and then get hooked. And sure. I got uh, I got a Blaze book. And my mother had been the queen of Harlequin. She used to get like the honor paperbacks out of the library, the, you know, the ones that they're like, here, take them. We trust you to return them whenever. And she used to have the sure. presents, you know, that still have the white with the circle on the cover. And um so I said, oh, Harnicle, let me try one. Um, and I tried one from this Blaze line. And I'll never forget, it was Leslie Kelly's Slow Hands was the book. And I read it, and then I devoured the rest of her backlist and a whole ton of other Blazes. I still have the Nook app on my phone now, and I still have, like, over 200 Blaze books in there. Um, and so when I started to write, that was the line I was targeting. I, I knew I wanted to write a Blaze. And... Um, and uh, at the same time that that happened, my husband um, was diagnosed with tonsil cancer. He's fine now. He's been in remission for almost eight years, which is great. But it made me think, you know, wow, you know, he was 47, I think, at the time, you know, pretty young. And we're like, whoa. Uh, and it just kind of made me think, is there something that I'm not doing with my life that I wanted to be doing? Um, so kind of those two things together made me think, I want to try writing a romance. I mean, I knew I knew how to yeah. write. I was a lawyer by day, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm an appellate lawyer, so my day job is all writing. It's a very different kind of writing, but it wasn't like I needed to learn how to construct a proper grammatical English sentence. I needed to learn how to write a romance and learning, um, but I was fortunate to stumble on my local chapter of RWA and some really great people there. Um, who uh, really helped me along the path of figuring out what I was doing. And I, like I said, I read a ton of Blaze books. And, um, right. And, and then I got very lucky, and Harlequin has a lot of contests. They used to do So You Think You Can Write, which was their big one. I never entered that one. But they also had a lot of smaller contests for the different lines. And um, I'd see these contests come and go, but I was really trying to focus on, I knew I was writing a blaze. So I tried not to be distracted by, you know, shiny new object syndrome and try to write to any of the other contests. So I just kept to my guns and kept working on my blaze. And eventually they finally had a contest for blaze and I entered it. Right. And, um, and I'll never forget this because it was literally my very first RWA conference I went to was in 2013. I think it was Atlanta was where it was. And I was driving home from work one night, heading to DSW to buy shoes uh, to go with the dress I was going to wear to the Rita ceremony. And um, right. my phone rang, and it was a number in Toronto, and I didn't recognize who it was, and it was Harlequin calling to tell me that I had won the Blaze contest. <laughs> and wow. that I couldn't tell so, so I was so – Oh, I was thanks. Going to, <laughs> yeah, I was going to be with all these people, and I couldn't tell any of them because they were doing like a, a – some sort of a ceremony on like the third day of the conference or something. So I was at this conference for two days and I couldn't tell anybody. And I remember running into Tawny Weber in the, in the hallway and Tawny, I had, I had, um, uh, they used to have little contests on their, uh, their chat board. Um, and you could get feedback from some of their published authors. And that's how I, I right. initially had contact with Tawny and she actually read the first chapter of, what became my first book, Triple Threat, which is the book that won this contest. 
And uh, I see her in the hallway, and she's like, hey, what's going on with that book? How's it going? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's great. Everything's good. And, like, I couldn't say anything. And then, like, two days later, I'm in this ceremony, and they announce me the winner. She's like, I can't believe you didn't tell me. And the the (laughs) senior editor, Kathleen Schiebling, was like, we told her she couldn't tell anybody. Yeah, no. But, so it's oh, kind of that funny. kind of news, though. I, I got very lucky. And my prize was an editor for a month. So I worked with Dana Hopkins there for a month. And at the end of the month, she requested the full of the book, which I still wasn't finished with. But um, And then I submitted it. And that, that's how I ended up. My first four books are with Harlequin Blaze. And that's how I ended up um, uh, writing for them. So it was wow. very, that, and that's, very, very fortunate. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting it, it, because – a lot of times people don't realize that it's, it's not as simple as, you know, okay, I'm going to write this book and then I'm going to send in the whole book. And I mean, it's, it's amazing to me how many people absolutely do not know what the guidelines are for any particular contest. And so just the fact that you knew the guidelines, you submitted, you followed through. I mean, all those things are work for getting a book done, no matter the genre. Yeah. yeah, I tell people all the time the first thing to do, you know, when you, when you if you want to write a romance, the first thing to do is read, you know, read a bunch yeah. of them, and then read like what you think you want to write. Like even now, I'm I'm trying to transition from category romance to single title, and there's so much more mm-hmm. I need to learn on on you know, and I read a lot of single title, obviously too. But still, there, as you're now sitting down to try to write and plot one, there's more I need to learn because because plotting mm-hmm. and pacing is very different for a longer single title romance, and you can put a lot more in there in terms of subplots and you know. So it's, it's yeah. there's always learning. You're, you're never done learning. But no, I think that's what keeps uh, Jody Thomas. You know that. Jody Thomas is a Texas author, and I've met her many times. She's always extremely gracious. And one of the things that she did that always sticks with me is the day she was entered or inducted into the Romance Writers Hall of Fame, she bought $300 worth of books on craft of writing. And her comment was, you never stop learning. It is always good to go back and review the basics, um, oh, yeah. which is one of the reasons why she's successful. I mean, because she – knows i mean she's she's humble about it and go ahead and you know let's relearn let's review i mean it, it it's a constant learning curve i think and it's always adjusting so you reading thinking you find, oh yeah yeah and you find different things that work for you like some things work for some people and you know what plot right. plotting method works for you and so you read a lot because then you you figure out what works for you or what you take a little from here and a little from there you know it's like this from column a that from column b to find Mm -hmm. the process that works for you um Mm -hmm. you know and that's and that's i think an ongoing uh you know uh, ongoing process i mean i've been i've been focusing a lot recently recently on um productivity uh stuff Mm -hmm. um and um, I'm actually taking an online class right now uh, that I'm loving, productivity, because I know that I w- – and when you work full-time and you want to produce more books, it's really, you know, figuring out where am I wasting time, how can I, how can I be more productive. And this class has been interesting because it's making me think of productivity in a different way, which is not just words on a page. You need to give yourself – when you're a creative, you need to give yourself time for the creative process too, um, mm-hmm. You need to give your brain downtime to create, and think. that's how you come up with characters and plots. And all. So that if you're not giving your brain any downtime, 
you know, then when you go to sit in front of the computer, you know, you can have hours to write, but nothing will come out if you haven't given your brain that time to, to create. Um, right. So that's thing. Um, you know, at different times I'm, I'm focused, you know, I'll focus on different things. You know, you focused on craft for a bit. Now I'm, now I'm kind of focused on trying to, uh, you know, more, a little bit more businessy stuff. Um, because like, sure. like we discussed earlier, you can't, you can't ignore that, but you know, publishers are great. I'm right now mostly um, traditionally published and, and they're great, but like you said, nobody's going to be more invested in your career than you are. Right, right. So, so who's teaching the productivity class that you're taking? Ronnie Lauren, and it's fabulous. Fab-u-luff. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm loving it. This is the first time she's done it. It's a new class for her. It's in Teachable. And um, so we're sort of her beta test group. And I'm on a, um, I'm on a planner uh, group in Facebook, and like they make fun of me because for years I swore to my planner friends that I was never going to go the planner route. Now I'm addicted to my planner, but that's one of the things that yeah. helped me be more organized, you know, and, and, and not forget things. Like I have an interview at 10 o'clock this morning that I have to call in for. Um, it happened because one day I literally almost forgot that I had to go to court and it oh, scared wow. yeah. the bejesus out of me. <laughs> I was like, okay, right. I need to get my act together. I had things scattered in too many different places. And, um, I still am not one of those people who goes and buys a hundred dollar planner. Like I'm at Michael's when the happy planners come with my coupon and when they're on sale. Um, and I love, that's my, I, I love that the system. I just bought a, a new one now and I never thought I'd be like a two planner gal. So now I have my general planner, which, you know, has all of my, you know, everything, doctor's appointments, this phone call for this, this blog, my work stuff, this brief is due on this date. You have to be in court on this date. Um, and now I bought a second planner that I'm going to start using in July uh, because I've been taking Sarah Cannon's um, HB90 planning class on how to plan out your writing three in three month chunks. Um, again, oh, it wow. goes along with my whole productivity uh, binge. Right. And uh, so I'm gonna I'm using some of her in conjunction with the Happy Planner to to have a just a solely dedicated writing planner where I'm really keeping track of what what my goals are for that three-month period, what I'm achieving, what I'm not achieving, um, um, you know, where, where I'm moving, just to help, just to kind of really help me move forward uh, a little bit. Right. Because I felt a little stuck. I'll be honest. I did not have a great 2000, probably eight, latter half of 2018, early part of 2019 for writing. I was stuck. And that's why I didn't have any releases in 2019. And and you feel like you're failing and you feel like, and then you don't realize how many other authors go through the same thing, you know, um, right. for very reasons. Um, but I had a, a rough time that year and now it finally feels like I'm back on track. And that's the great thing about dirty work is that that it's the book that really got me out of my writing slump. You know, readers have reading well, slumps, I guess writers have writing slumps. <laughs> so they do. And dirty work. Really so tell got me, me about dirty work. Um, dirty work. Um, is just fun. I just decided I was going to have fun writing this book because I wanted readers to have fun reading it. I'm not, um, you know, some romance authors edge more towards women's, women's fiction and the angsty, emotional. And yes, obviously, every romance has to have a certain amount of conflict and emotion. But I'm definitely more mm-hmm. towards the lighter side of romance. I like to write with a lot of humor. Um, I just, I let everything fly when I wrote this book. And I kept telling myself, oh, Harlequin is going to 
is going to cut this. Like they're never going to let this stay. <laughs> but I don't care. I need to write this. I want to have fun. I also so there's things in there like there's Dernda wearing drag queens and a penis themed bachelorette party. Uh, a cock blocking <laughs> Irish wolfhound. Initially, they told me they didn't want the dog in it. They wanted him to. I initially had it as a little dog, and they thought that was too cute, so I made it a big dog, and they let me keep that. <laughs> but, um, but they initially were, were were hesitant on the dog, and then when my editor after my editor read it, she said, "I never thought a book could be so sexy with a dog." <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> you know that that reminds kind of, me of. Did you ever see <laughs> the movie Ruthless People? When Danny DeVito's yeah. sitting there, he's trying to figure out what to, you know, how to kill his wife or get rid of his wife. And um, his mistress is sitting there and she goes, what can I do for you? He goes, do you have a big dog? And she's like, well, as sexually provocative as I believe I am. And he's like, not for you. <laughs> she's just very flustered. But it's, but it's for the, the poodle that, that is his wife's poodle and he wants to get rid of the, oh, that right. dog. Yes. So he's, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> When you yeah, mentioned exactly. the dog, I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> exactly. Well, the great thing about riding the wolfhound, too, it turned out to be great because wolfhounds are, I did some breed research before picking the breed, and wolfhounds are notoriously lazy once they're adult, um, which is great because my hero is living in a, now, mind you, it is a penthouse. You know, they're, he's rich. It's, the, their heroes are always rich. Um, and um, so Jake is a, is a millionaire club owner in New York. So he's living in a fabulous apartment, but still it's a New York city apartment. So, you know, sure. Um, it helped that the dog was super lazy. Um, although I will admit, as I was writing the book, I would, I'd get to like, especially when I'm writing a sex scene and they're in the apartment, because at a certain point in the book, they're, they're sharing the apartment. Uh, they're living sure. in the same apartment. And I keep forgetting, oh crap, I gotta put the dog in here somewhere, at least account for the fact that the dog exists. And it's also in the right. apartment. It's like riding with kids, you know. Oh crap! I got. I remember that kid. Oh, that that's kid right. We've got to account for that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I just had fun writing it, and um, and I also did something different with this book. Um, in that I wrote it in first person present. I've always wanted to try writing in first person, and I'd only at the same time I was writing this, I also was writing the Read Me Romance novella, which I also did in first person present, and I found that I really enjoy writing in first person present. Um. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to be able to do some more of that as I as I move forward in my writing. For me as a writer, I just found it 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 brought me even closer to the characters, um, and just my writer voice I think just was suited toward it. Um, and yeah. and so that was that kind of helped. I think sometimes as an author, if you try something a little different, you know, sometimes it starts to feel everything starts to feel very same. So trying something different in both just letting my imagination run and just putting in what I felt like putting into the book and uh, writing in a different voice really helped me break through the slump. And I think the yeah. book turned out, well, I, yeah. I love this book. It's definitely one of my, you're not supposed to have favorites, but it's definitely one of my favorites that I've written and readers seem to be, uh, you know, connecting with it because I think a lot of people right now really just want to read something that's, that's fun and escapist and um, you know, not not the real world that we're dealing with on a daily basis. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I know that I've had a few people ask me, um, well, what you're writing, are you going to put the COVID situation in it? And I said, you know, the first, I think, couple of weeks, I was flipping through Twitter, and there was an author, not an author, an editor, that said, please do not send me any books that are COVID-themed uh, because – 
I am not accepting them. And I know a lot of my, and I, you know, I know she's not speaking for everyone, but she's like, people want escapism right now. So just don't put it in there. Um, yeah. they, and there I mean, are going to be like some that are going to, it's going to happen. Yeah. But there's, already it's, yeah. there's, a, there's already one out. And, and, yeah. and the author's got some blowback, which I'm kind of like, hey, let people write what they want to write. If you don't want to read it, just don't read it. Scroll on by. It's okay. Right. Not everything's for yeah. everybody, you know. Um, we don't have to give people grief for they want to write. If that's what you want to write, well, that's it could fine. Have been very cathartic for her too. Yeah, um, I know it's. I know it's been a big discussion. I mean, I know I've even discussed it with my agent. You know, going forward, what's going to happen? Eventually, if there's a new normal, are we going to have to account for? It? And maybe we will. Um, you know, but I think you're right. Right now, when nobody really knows what what the world's going to look like when we come out of this. Um, you know, I think right now it's just, it's just, you know, my agent pretty much said, just keep, you know, for contemporary romance authors who are the ones that are all facing this, this dilemma, uh, you know, just, just keep writing what you're writing. And dirty work is, you know, it's set in New York city and they're all over New York city. Um, yeah. You know, Hudson river flicks and, you know, all the, you know, uh, so, you know, but it, it was written and scheduled to come out. It wasn't like we could pull it and change it or, and I, but I think again, you're right. People understand, you know, you know, readers are, are savvy, you know, romance readers are, I think are very savvy. Um, yeah. You know, they get, they get dissed in the, in the, uh, in the general public all the time. Um, but just like most romance writers I meet are very well-read, articulate, educated women. I mean, so many of us are, I met lawyers, nurses, doctors, college professors, and the readers are the same. Um, so so mm-hmm. they, they get it. They, they know when they pick up dirty work that they're not picking it up going, well, wait a minute. How could they do these things? It's COVID. They understand that this is, you know, pre yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I think and you're right. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and again, it's, it's funny. I know a lot of, you know, I write medical romance and I've had friends go, oh, so are they, you know, having stuff at the hospital? I'm like, no, that's like one of my big things that I absolutely will not do is I will not have people getting weird at the hospital because um, they, one, it's, I think, horribly unprofessional. And I do get the fact that residencies and, and people get stressed and, you know, whatever, but I, in my experience, never really saw that in the different hospital facilities, not to say that it didn't happen, but um, I would see more patients doing this versus the staff. So, um, yeah, in fact, just complete strangers, you know, complete strangers. I, I, yeah, I remember working at a children's hospital in Dallas and we'd have the um, asthma room and the kids would be there for quite some time because it's asthma and you got to make sure they're not yeah. going to rebound and all this. And we'd be sitting there and they'd have these individual little spots because it was a recliner chairs and each kid had a TV. And uh, I remember us sitting there, it'd been hours, and, and one, of, one of the nurses that was working with me, or it may have been respiratory therapy, said, where's the dad in room for kid seven and I was like I don't know and someone's like where's the grandma for kid four you know and it was like okay oh well I guess they you know left and <laughs> you know you can go get something for you know to eat or just to step out or go to the bathroom yep. and then one of the custodians came walking in he goes well I don't know what's going on in that bathroom in there but something's going down <laughs> and then they both came back just like a bit disheveled and we're just going are you kidding <laughs> oh my god <laughs> So it, it's just that's why I never in my books have my staff 
um, doing anything at the hospital, but it's but it's that feeling of this is not only this is not the only place they are. They are outside outside the hospital. There are people outside the hospital. So I always, you know, again, yeah, I have my my things. I I know there's plenty of people who do do it differently, and that's fine. Um, but like you're saying, you have to write what speaks to you. So it's exactly I it, it all works that- out. It'll speak to some readers and it won't speak to others, and that's okay. You're never going to appeal to everybody. You know, I write high-heat romance. Not everybody wants right. high-heat. But it's what mm-hmm. I like to write. It's what I like to read. Uh, so, you know, you can't write something and obsess about, oh, well, oh, if I do this, this person won't like it. That's okay. You're never going to appeal mm-hmm. to everybody. You know, there, there's genres of romance yeah. that I don't, I don't read all that much because it's just not my jam. It doesn't mean they're bad books. It just right. means it's not, it's not my jam. It might be yours. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like everybody's getting very excited about uh, Stephanie Meyer uh, announcing. Um, bef- is it Before Sunrise? Was that the title that she announced? Yeah, whatever this week? it is, is it like the Twilight prequel or something? Or yeah, it's the prequel. I don't know so what it is. It's Edna's yeah. story. And yeah. um, I never, I, you know, and I'm sure I'm going to be, people are like, what do you mean you never, but I just, I didn't read them. And, but it's one of those things of, okay, well, but again, like you're saying, it's not my jam. It's just not my thing. Um, but good for her. I mean, and her, her presentation of getting people excited about the release of just the title of that book, brilliant. I mean, yep. brilliant. She had a yep. countdown clock and everything. Brilliant. It's it's the same with E.L. James and Fifty Shades. You know, it it. Mm-hmm. I read part of the first book. It wasn't really my thing. Not because the heat level turned me off. I'm I write high heat. So that's fine with me. Um, but mm-hmm. I didn't find that it was to my liking. I find people are either you love it or you hate it. But you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Diss it as much as you want. The woman tapped into some sort of zeitgeist because you know she, she she's did. got a, a a rabid following. So you can you can mm-hmm. diss the quality of the writing all you want. There's something in that book that's speaking to not just a handful of people but a whole ton of people. So right, it might and not she, be my you know jam, got, a, not, got movie I'm not deal. Yuck on yeah, yum. You know, no, no, and you know, and, and it's one of those things I think that is really super important to be in a group, a writer's group, because I think it's so easy to fall into, why would anybody read or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that, that's, you know, but when you're around other people that say, yeah, like you're saying, yeah, it may not be your jam, but don't disrespect the fact of the hard work that was put into the project. Um, yeah. And so don't be a professional. I think that's, ex- that's really important for any writers to, to know. And to be well, around others that do the same. That I, you know, I know you mentioned in the in the intro. You know, you can find her on Twitter and this and this and that. I am no longer on Twitter. Um, okay. I well, I was looking on your website, my, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually it should be off there because I took my I took my uh, if it's not, I better go check because um, I updated <laughs> it recently to take off my um, my Twitter off of my uh, social media badges oh, on off. my website. You're right. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> because I just. You know, that's part of this this um, class I'm doing with Ronnie Lauren, although I did this this before, is, you know, figuring out what social media works for you, what's really just a distraction. Um, and, mm-hmm. and Twitter for me, um, I wasn't – it's not like I was connecting with readers there. I did connect with some great authors there, 
um, which was really mm-hmm. nice, like Kennedy Ryan and, and uh, Leo Axelrod. Right. So there was a bunch of authors that I had connected, Andy Christopher. But I, I messaged everybody before I left Twitter. Most of them I was also connected with on other platforms. For the ones that weren't, I just said, hey, guys, I'm going to be shutting down this account in the next few weeks. Um, here's all my other social media. If you want to stay connected, here's how we can do it. And and then most of them who weren't following me then went and, and connected with me other places. But other than that, I wasn't finding it useful, certainly not for book marketing um, and not for mm-hmm. really connecting with readers either. The only thing I was doing was trolling political stuff, and that was mm-hmm. just sucking my time and my energy. So I just went cold turkey and shut it down. And ironically, I shut it down right before the whole RWA um, implosion and it was kind of great oh yeah i wasn't on it to be like i was sucked in the drama enough as it was but it would have been even Mm -hmm. worse if i was still on twitter um so i'm mostly on facebook and instagram you know for connecting with readers right now and you know then other sites like goodreads and and bookbub and stuff but most of my Mm -hmm. most of my stuff is facebook and and instagram so do you feel like that's the best place for a lot of romance readers to find you? I mean, in general, like as, as a writer? I think for me, that's where, where my readers are. I think it's also, you know, you just have to decide as a, what, like what you enjoy, you know, what community you enjoy mm-hmm. being a part of. Like, what are you good at posting on and, you know, play to your strengths kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, I, and I've just started using like a social media scheduler. So Sunday nights is my night when I schedule all my posts. Uh, my Instagram and Facebook are connected. So it'll be it's the same content really on both for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I schedule my posts on Sunday so that it's all done and I don't need to think about it. And if I'm in the writing cave on a particular day, I don't need to even hop on social media to at least have you know, content. And I only do five days a week. Weekends, I kind of, I'll post something if something, I see something fun and I want to share it or something, or if I've got a book release and there's something going on, but not on a regular basis, I keep my weekends sort of, you know, social media free, at least from my author account. Right. Um, and I'm well, and that's that part of your giving your brain a break too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I'm yeah. playing around with, you yeah. know, what content people are connecting with and, you know, it's, it's a lot of experimentation, um, but um, but so far I'm finding that yeah. for, for for me, for, for my readers, I think that's, you know, if you write YA, I think that it'd be totally different. You know, maybe you'd be better on TikTok and Snapchat, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. That's where my daughter's all the time, and she's in her 20s. <laughs> but, um, right. you know, you've got to figure <laughs> out what's both what you like to do, because let's face it, if you don't like doing it, if you don't, if you're on a particular platform, but it's like pulling teeth, just because you think that's where you need you should be, but if you're not liking it, then 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 why do it? It's 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 a grind for you, and that probably means your content won't be as engaging and fresh as you want it to be because you're not enjoying being on that platform. You know, so figure right. out what you where you like to be, and by trial and error, where you're connecting with with people. You know. Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. yeah, I th- I think that. It- Facebook, you know, as much as people complain about it for whatever reason, um, it does give readers a, a chance to really, like, talk to yeah. the, the authors versus, yeah. I mean, I, you know, Twitter's definitely got its strengths and Instagram's got their strengths, but it's, it seems like there's an actual 
more of a back and forth with, and the good or bad, um, with with the, with the authors versus, yeah, yeah. The so, only thing I think with, you know, Facebook and Instagram is that you have to remember as an author is that you don't own the content there and you don't control the rules. So, you know, we mm-hmm. all know that they're always changing the the algorithms and how many people can see your stuff because they want you to pay. They want you to advertise on their platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. they make it harder and harder for you to get organic reach, which is why one of the things I've been doing in this whole, you know, business up your business game is working on my newsletter. I'm going to be switching it over to a different newsletter provider. And before I fully do that switch, I've been like um, setting up automations and reading newsletter ninja mm-hmm. because your newsletter is one thing you do well. You know, you have control over your subscriber list. You have control over the content. Um, you know, your newsletter and your website are, are yours, you know, and nobody can take right. it from you. Um, you know, so that's why, you know, initially when I had designed my website, I did it myself. I took a class and it was great because it was cool to learn. Again, one of those things you never thought you'd have to learn, right? I did it in WordPress and it was, it was fine. It was easy to navigate. It wasn't horrific. And then at a certain point, I kind of outgrew that and I paid someone to help me design a site. And it was, and it was good. But the people I paid and had helped me design the site weren't really author site people. They were mm-hmm. more. Um, they did. They do a lot of great sites for child actors. My daughter um, was a professional actor when she was young. She's still acting, but she's an adult now. And um, and and they were great. They were great to work with. But then I got to the point where I felt like I needed the assistance of someone who really knew how to design an author website. So then I did that. Right. But I do a lot of my updates on my own. I like to be able to update my own website for the most part, unless there's something really, you know, graphic-y. I'm not great with graphics. Um, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. a graphic designer, so you know your own strengths, right? <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I like to at least be able to, like, add a page for a new book, which is easy to do, you know, once you understand how, how it works. And my web designers show me how, you know, how to do that, which is great. Um, you know, yeah, you get, I you think know, that's so important, too. Yeah, to make sure that you, you know, you don't have to worry about, oh, I can fix that. That's, I don't have to call anybody. I can fix that. I can add that. You know? and, and I think that's yeah, the, the mark of a good web designer is they actually teach you how to do the little tiny things and ma- maintain. And then, then the big projects, you're able to say, hey, can you help with this? Yeah, they were um, great. Lauren Lane so, actually designed my website. Who's a you know she's a romance oh, author herself. A great. I, I mean, I'm like her biggest like stalker fan. I love her books. <laughs> and um, she and her husband do web design, and they actually designed my uh, my website. They've done a, a lot of author websites. They have a business doing it, and wow. so they're great because they you know she understands as an author yeah. you know and a web designer. She she's got um, a, a great. You know, she's coming at it from two different places, not just as a web designer, but also as an author herself. Um, so, so right. like they're never like defensive about, you know, I'd like to do some of this on my own. Well, why? You know, they get it. They totally understand. Yeah. Well, and, they it, actually and made it lessens their workload a little bit with the little stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not pestering them every time you need some little, you know, like I just had to go in and take up, sadly, take a bunch of appearances down. Um, you know, because mm-hmm. a bunch of uh, a few events I was a couple events I was supposed to be at, you know, sadly had to get canceled for this year. You know, I was able to do that. Two seconds, I'm talk about it. Yeah. Well, so um, we have about two minutes left. And so I wanted to tell you, thank you so much for being here today. This was wonderful. And I'm looking forward to not only reading uh, Dirty Work, but also hearing about Dirty Secrets when it comes out in November. 
Yeah, I think it's I'm, I think it's going to be fun again. I've had so much fun writing these books. Dirty Work is um, Jake and Ainsley's story, um, and Jake's best friend is Connor. It's his best friend and business partner. They're kind of like two sides of a coin. Jake is like the pretty boy front man of the club. Connor's the little mm-hmm. more introverted, number crunching behind the scenes kind of guy and uh jake's sister brie who you also see in dirty work she's actually the one that hires ansley to help take care of the dog because she's an actress she gets an out-of-town gig um okay she is the heroine in book two so it's a it's one of my favorite tropes is um is a best friend's you know brother that that kind of yeah yeah brother's best friend you know uh best friend's little sister trope. So um, I've used, I've done that trope once before in Triple Dare, and I, I loved it so much I'm doing it again. So um, so that'll be, uh, that'll be Dirty Secrets. So, Well, I love it. And I appreciate you so much for being here, Regina. Thank you for talking to us. And please come back when uh, your next book is out or your next project. I sure will. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me, really. It's really been a blast. <laughs> I'm glad, and I will keep talking to you online, I'm sure. Definitely. Lovely. So this was Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. I just talking to Regina Kyle, whose newest book, Dirty Work, is out now, and you can find Regina on her website, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, Goodreads, and BookBub. So everybody tune in next week. We will have another fabulous author, but in, in the meantime, keep on reading. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.